So are Dallas a bunch of drunks? Is it just all like Levi? Oh yeah, totally, man, totally. I mean, even like, you know, even with the herbs where they're like, you know, free and easy water chow, yo, I'm like, do you know what that means? Like, <laughs> we know the herbal components, but that's a metaphor for the poetry of Levi. <laughs> but, you know, laying down in the park, looking at the sun and being like, yeah, this is Yangshi feeling. I'm feeling warm. I want to go by the shade. Those experiences you don't get in the classroom. And that makes a big difference. Man, that would be great if, like, herb class was like, here's a bunch of pizza and beer. See if you feel what dampness feels like. Oh, absolutely. It makes a difference. That would be a great class. In this episode, we are talking to Zach Louis about how to protect yourself from your patients. So whether you're dealing with emotional vampires, needy patients, compassion fatigue, or you just don't want to take on other people's shit, Zach has got you covered. He's doing a psychic self-defense for body workers boot camp coming up at the end of January. Zach, thanks for being here. But yeah, so this is a question that people have actually emailed me about, and they'll ask, what do you do to protect yourself from your patients? And I always feel like they're at they're looking for something like, do you burn some sage? Do you wear uh, special crystals or things like that? And I don't know, especially after our last discussion on Qigong, I think, you know, I'm not really into that kind of stuff. Yeah, you probably got hit on that pretty hard. People are like, because I, I got some messages on that too. And I know we talked about this last one too. So the first thing I'm going to say around that is like, for psychic self-defense or this more like how do you protect yourself from clients, it is a certain type of working you have to do around that. So uh, my teacher, Andrea Vitimus, and I are actually going to be running a workshop uh, January 29th on the Saturday there from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. And we are going to have a special CEU specifically for acupuncturists later on too around this where we are going to go through step-by-step processes of, well, how do you do cleansing? How do you ground? What is sensitivity? What are your emotional pieces around things like compassion fatigue? What does that even mean? Is that limitation? And really like breaking down the energetics and the psychology of what you can do practically because it's not fair to you it's not fair to your clients and it's definitely not fair to your friends and family when you bring out their crap um because you say like oh well i'm just being empathetic are you being empathetic or are you like literally just not having good enough boundaries and we really get into those details what that means on the energetic level um we could equivalentize that to wei chi however just as a basic take-home for the people who are asking this uh, i would be saying like Really do some reflection on that and like really ask yourself like, well, does the sage actually do anything? I think sage does. Uh, I think like when you're bringing incense and all these herbs, they actually do have effect. Uh, but there's a, still an energetic effect that you have to connect to. Just burning the sage by itself is not going to cleanse the room. You have to connect to the herb still to do that working. Uh, so this is where we go through this on a step-by-step practical, like we call it the psychic self-defense boot camp for body workers because body workers actually have a particular problem, especially as acupuncturists or Twina or any like health care practitioner where you get burnout. Why? Because you're touching people all the time. And that is a direct like energetic effect that you are connecting directly. And I mean, I could be straight. I had problems with this till Andrea taught me the things that he taught me because it's like, I'd be like, for the longest time, like, I'm really good at Twaina. I'm really good at Bonfa. Like, I learned off of lineages for that. And that's a skill set I don't generally, I, I, I dropped that skill set for a while. Um, and Andrea 
looked at me and he's like, dude, like, why aren't you doing like these skill sets? You're really good at them. And I'm like, well, I don't want to feel people's shit, like literally. And I'm like, that's weird for me to say that because I'm an acupuncturist, it's like master of medical qigong, blah, blah, blah. Right. It's like you're you're the shaman. You're the priest. You're the master of medical qigong. You're a Reiki master teacher. And you say you don't want to feel people's crap. What? You can't. But it's a different context. If I'm holding a needle to somebody and stabbing them in it. There is a distance still of about an inch, whatever chun measurements you have. That's a distance between me and somebody. I'm not subjectively letting my palms touch them because my hands are very intimate where it's like there is no distance unless you're wearing gloves, right? Then you got maybe a psychological and physical barrier energetically. But really, that's not where most people are going to be with their energetics. So with the needle techniques, there are certain energetic needle techniques, uh, and then the next step is, well, if you're actually doing direct contact past like the, oh, I'm just going to feel your pulse and like, that's nice and go off. Like if you're actually doing consistent handwork, um, it's going to drain you. And that was my biggest thing. Like I- I'll tell people straight up my complaint on that um, when Andrea was really like, dude, why aren't you doing this? And I did some self-analysis. I, I said, I don't want to feel people's crap. I got enough crap happening in my life straight up like and i gotta look at your deep unconscious issues while i'm touching you no thank you and andrea literally said dude this is what we do right you need to be utilizing these skills so then he taught me the psychic self-defense side of things and now i don't have to worry about it right and that was like with pretty good shielding and wei chi uh standards and i was already still having those issues so when we're talking about body work and how to protect yourself, yeah, we're going to be really getting to those nuances like, okay, one, can you even do the needle? Like needles a little bit more distant from somebody, but if you're touching and doing consistent body work, how do you protect yourself from getting the emotional splashback of their negative emotions? Because that's a thing. So I guess like what exactly do we need to be afraid of or concerned about? Or when we talk about psychic self-defense, who is this for? Is it just for empaths or people with poor boundaries or is this something that everybody needs and i guess what's what are the dangers right the dangers really it's like you know um, compassion fatigue empathy issues right and like we look at the general standards and this is like we made it specifically for any body work so it's all healthcare practitioners but what's the standard of healthcare practitioner i mean that's nurses that's mds that's osteo that's the whole spectrum of people there so it's not just oh well we do energy work and we're acupuncture and chinese medicine people like you have concrete proof when you look at the burnout rate consistently for healthcare practitioners it's about two years they're in the profession for two years and then they're out that or they do a self-defense mechanism subconsciously where they shut down and numb out and i know i've done that in the past uh and andrea's always called me out on it he's like dude like you're doing it again stop it like do do your cleansings ground and like really like set up these boundaries because it's basically you're just too peopled out in some ways because if you're trying to be a worker and like a a healthcare worker you do have some compassion and empathy for people naturally i mean i don't think people would be like i'm going healthcare because i want to make money like it's not the industry you usually think of you have some shred of compassion usually for other people like if you want to do that do business or something there's much better ways to make money so this is where we look at that and say well if you are having any emotional issues where you don't know how to do boundaries uh you maybe you're just getting more tired and you're getting on a burnout stage that still is energetic implications burnout is an energetic state so that means what you're putting out too much energy out there for other people now you'd be like well i'm not sleeping enough i'm not doing this this is all stackable 
because it's like, you know, it started from a pebble and it just keeps going from there like a snowball effect. So what we're providing with psychic self-defense is saying, well, how do you stop the snowball effect? Because you just need to change one thing in your life, do a few of the practices. And at that point, we can start changing your uh, vector on things. Because if it's one bad day like the Joker, you don't want to have that bad day as a healthcare practitioner because it actually has an impact on everyone else. So how do you keep your stuff together and say, okay, it's a hard day? Like, you know, and... You're, it's not saying your life's going to be perfect. No one's lives is perfect. But if you have the trained skill sets that we're going to be developing in the workshop, then you know you can always go back to base and say, okay, you know, it's been a really crappy day. I just got to let this go. Because I'm sure people listening to the podcast, I know uh, as practitioners, you have a hard day in the clinic. It affects your spouse. It affects your partner. Or maybe you go play a video game and kill some things, right? Like it, it's like you got to take your head out of the game. But I'll be honest, even as a practitioner, I know the, I say, okay, Zach, like, you know, I walk outside that door, the world does not exist to me from the clinic. I'm pretty good about that. But what happens about those clients that you're like, I wonder how to make this better. That's actually something that's like the bigger thing. It's like, because you are still going to think about this at, like, it could be a long day and you're like, well, I don't know how to make this treatment better. Because let's be honest, you're not going to spend every day um, 24 hours in the clinic where you have that separation. So you're going to think about some things at home. So this is where the psychic self-defense says, okay, if you're going to do that, don't spend too much time on it. And how do you do the reset every single day so you don't get emotionally drained? Because we assume life circumstances are going to keep happening to you and you have to keep going out there like a warrior on the battlefield and you have to keep doing the job that you chose. And uh, this is where it's like, how do we give you the best tools to keep adapted, even though we keep getting beat down, especially in a healthcare setting with like all this chaos with like the pandemic and everything. Like I walk into a clinic and people are like, really, dude, like you're wearing that. I'm like, one, I care about like me being healthy for everyone else. But I straight up walk into a clinic and you think I look like Darth Vader. Right. Like I got the shield. I got the goggles. I got the respirator. I got the voice. Yeah. I'd be like, today is your like, what's your pulse today? What's your diagnosis? And people are like, what in the actual? <laughs> right. And this is like it's safety protocols that are happening. However, on the emotional level, what do you think that actually does? It's like one. It's like it's tiring wearing that all day. Like that's just a physical strain. So that's physically straining me. That's mentally straining me, which means emotionally I'm being strained. Having the reset for Qigong, having the skill set for grounding, having the skill set for cleansing says, okay, you know, it's a rough day. I'm tired. I'm drinking some coffee. Like even today, I've been teaching all day. We're, we're talking, right? And you can tell I'm still kind of peppy. Uh, that's because I did do the cleansing ahead of time and I did center a little bit. Plus I got a hamburger in. So, you know, all this kind of helps. But this is the maintenance pieces that you got to look at. Like, okay, like, am I good enough? Because even when we're talking um, prior, like I actually like, you know, when we're talking about dates, I straight up was like, am I even going to have enough energy to have a conversation in the evening after teaching eight hours today? And obviously I do. However, that was actually a legit thing where I'm like, what's my schedule this week? Because I actually want to have a conversation with you and talking to your audience about things. And can I actually... Um, I don't want to say put up. That sounds horrible saying it's like, I'm going to put up my energy for this. <laughs> but it's like, do I have enough resources for this? And that's actually a question you would actually ask in psychic self-defense. Like, are you actually good? And if you're not, what can you do as a, con a contingency plan? Right. And I think these are the important conversations. So 
for your listeners on this is like, well, what can you do? One, sign up for a workshop. Um, right now, it's two hundred and fifty dollars uh, Canadian plus taxes. We can't get around that. It's government stuff, people, right? So that's for the first uh, four people signing up because we already have this workshop running where they buy at one fifty. Uh, now we're at the two fifty mark, and then once after four people um, get into that, then it's going to be five hundred because we're going to be doing a supportive CEU with it. So you get access to all of this where I'll actually sit down with you and be like, all right, we learned, uh, we did a boot camp workshop with Andrea and uh, I'm co-teacher on this. So how do we use the needles now to put into a person and not get the backup feed um, specifically? Because I don't know um, how experienced people are with acupuncture. When you like, everyone's like, did she this, did she that, stick the needle in. Um, it's a little more difficult to say, how do you protect yourself from that? Because if you can feel dirty, you think their emotions can't get to you. You have a direct con from Chi energetics. You have a direct connection right now. So we're going to teach you like from the skill sets in the boot camp and augmented for acupuncture and body work there specifically, like just for Chinese medicine people. So like really you're getting a twofer at the point that we're discussing like psychic self-defense one weekend. And then we're going to have a bonus piece later on for people. So I guess when I think about protecting yourself from your patients and not taking on their shit, sometimes I divide it into a couple different categories. Like on the one hand, you have some people that just have a lot of problems that maybe you have a patient with a terminal illness. Right. Maybe you have very difficult patients and they have a condition you just know they're not going to get better. That can be very difficult mm -hmm. to deal with. On the other hand, you have some patients that – they have maybe they just have first world problems, but they're just so needy that they're not willing to put in any of the work themselves. They just want to suck everything out of you. And it's the kind of patient like, oh, God, I can't believe I have to see this guy again today. But then on another level, sometimes people worry about, am I catching someone's evil chi? Like a patient comes in with elbow pain right. and now I have elbow pain or a patient comes in with stomach problems and now I have a, a stomach problem. And it's like, it's not just an emotional thing. I actually caught their, their evil chi. So I guess when it, in terms of protecting yourself, are these things really different or do you have different strategies for these different situations? How do you approach that? They're at a baseline all similar. They're just different expressions if we use the root branch metaphor, right? So it's like, you know, people being psychic vampires draining you. Yeah, if you need to basically have a psychic self-defense of knowing where your boundaries are, knowing how to work with your energy to be like, nope, go screw yourself, but still be in a healing uh, conversation with them, right? On the same level for the people you're like, I'm catching their stuff. Well, why are you catching their stuff in the first place? That's the that's the question I'm going to be like, okay, why are you being in such an emotional sponge? What is the payoff here? There's always payoffs. So we're going to be having these hard conversations with healers and saying like, okay, we know you care for people, but why do you care for people? And what can you do to augment this as a liability? It's a liability when you're like, I'm catching elbow pain from people and they're shachy and they're evil chi. Well... Whose problem is that? The client's or yours? It's your problem because you're the practitioner. They're coming to you for help and you're supposed to have the skill sets for this. So at that point that you don't know what you're doing there, well, that's on you. And we could blame the school systems and things, but really it's an individual game there where if, there, if you want to learn this, you'll find a way.
So really, when you're doing things like cleansing, what's that doing? It's resetting your energy system. What does grounding do? It means holding space when it's really hella awkward. And people are like, I don't know what to do. And you're like, just hold the space. Don't move. It's like that like deer in headlights look. You're like, just hold the line. <laughs> right? So you got that going. And then it's like, and then it's this projective aspect of like, okay, I can make the way she's stronger. How do I do this? And people think, and, and I'm going to go a little bit more on the medical Qigong side. Everyone's like, well, there's multiple layers of Wei Qi. You have like three, four, five. Like, I'm like, no, you don't. It's like, that's a nice analogy. Um, it's like, it's not a radar system where you just ping them and be like, boom, I feel the ring. Uh, but really like the Wei Qi field, you can develop in ways that are actually quite uh, smart. It's your subconscious mind. That's the fundamental viewpoint that Andrea has imparted on me with the teachings, uh, the many teachings I've learned from him, and we don't view a direct, uh, we don't view a difference between the subconscious mind and energy as a metaphor. Energy is a metaphor for the subconscious mind. So if you understand that, then you'd be like, well, could I not just change this dynamic of my energy or my psyche, and then I won't get these effects? And that is, in particular, I've never heard anyone talk about energy in this way. Um, but having done like we do st statistics all the time on this and it is like we keep we could literally prove the facts to people who are like, well, how do you do this? And we'd be like, OK, this is one, two, three step. And it's very exacting. And at that point, it makes you ask a lot of questions around Chinese medicine. Like if you're saying, well, we're doing energy paradigms. Well, I mean, let's even get into the historical aspects of herbs where people are like, well, why do you take the direction of the herbs to work certain ways? Well, we're trying to pour certain energies into them. Okay, yes, there's a chemical pharmaceutical point to that. However, there's a greater metaphor to that too. If I'm cold, I need something warm to open me up, right? That's on a basic metaphor level. So when we're talking about this, um, yeah, these are... It's rinse and repeat. It's like you go to the clinic, you wash your hands, you do your basic hygiene. These are like, yes, they are basic hygiene things you need to do. These could be rituals, though, to help you. Why couldn't you do that while you are walking, breathing, uh, anything? Like, hell, I even go so far as saying for Qigong, and I think I said this on the last show, um, it's like, if you got to take a dump, that's a purging right there. Literally, like no Chinese <laughs> herbalist is going to debate that. That's what you do to purge. You do it every single day. Why can't you use that to release negativity? You're, you're doing it anyway. Same thing with urination. People are like, what, you piss out the negativity? I'm like, I totally piss out the negativity. There is this whole function of the large intestine and small intestine, if you don't know, that separates you know pure from impure, and we just go town from there. Right. But this is, are you having the awareness to do this? I think this is the biggest thing. People go through the clinic unconscious. They come from, from a reactionary standard and we can talk about energy all the time in the most vague, ambiguous ways. But from a practical standard, it's, you got to do what works and what's going to get you results. And it doesn't take that long. It just takes practice. But you know, if you don't have the tools and you're grasping at them, it's going to take a long time. You take a boot camp with us on that day, we're going to be like, here's eight hours of a boot camp. You'll get all the tools. And we, we've we done this very consistently, like across like, you know, uh, we're talking about it online these days, but we've done this psychic self-defense boot camp consistently all the time. So this is where I've worked with people and I've seen Andrea do stuff and I'm like, yeah, okay, this works. This absolutely works. And people are literally like, I feel more solid. It's like, of course you feel more solid because you actually rooted yourself and you're not in your head. That's a kinetic feel.
right? So it's like, you know, the best thing I would say for just people starting and they're like, well, what do we do? Get more aware. Feel the sensations in your body. Do you breathe? Why? So this is also why they say like, oh, people that do martial arts, people that do like a lot of physical activity, they're less affected by things. Why? It's like, that's a fundamental thing where, I mean, I'm not here to make fun of the key blast people because I've actually seen like that stuff work to some degree. Uh, however, it's like, why do martial artists have a different reaction or why do people that are very physically fit have a different reaction uh, about not being as tired in clinic? It's because their way cheese there and they subconsciously know what they're doing. So they work out the issues. That's a trained mechanism they've developed. But for everyone else, um, if you're a little more sensitive or you're a little more open or you're empathic and you like you are working with these connections more on a deeper level, that's going to take a little more out of you. Right. So this is where it's like basics, being your body first. Then we can start bringing down these mechanisms. Does that make sense? And I think that was an interesting thing you said before talking about why are you here? Because I feel like I've seen some students that they've just developed this identity of, oh, I'm a healer. And they have this actual, let me heal you. And I'm kind of like, are you really here for the patient or are you just here to feel good about yourself as a healer well let's put it in a normal context let's take it out of healing if anyone said that to you in a general context you'd be like this is creepy right but this is like that that's the like if it sounds creepy outside of a healing context it's probably going to be creepy outside a healing context and that's the equivalency that people don't like me saying this and i'm like sorry i'm here not to kick your puppies or burst your balloons however we gotta actually ask some harder questions like what got you into this some people are like well we think it's for the money i'd be like i'll tell them straight it's not for the money just get out if you're here for money like it's the wrong profession i love it but no um then people are like oh we're totally spiritual i'm like spiritual what you can't even meditate like don't talk to me about like you being spiritual that's a facade now that's for your ego randomization which if that's what you want that's probably like yeah there's lots of people that do that um and i'm probably not the person you want to talk to because i care about the results of things so something that is replicable, something that is like, you know, measurable on things consistently. And uh, this idea of the ego aggrandization, it's a, I would say it's a sickness in the culture in a commoditized world because everyone's like, look at me. And you'd say, well, okay, looking at you does give you attention. Yes, there is a payoff to this. And it makes a difference. Does that make a difference in healing? Not really. People are there because they're in pain. So this is where you put up the goods or you don't put up the goods. And if you're saying I'm a special healer, then you better be able to put up some special results. Right. And I think that is like, you know, um, you know, if you're going to talk um, the game, then you got to walk it. And I guess maybe another way of phrasing this is I would often tell people that I don't try too hard to get people to get patients to come in for treatment. Yeah. I always feel like if I really have to convince the patient to come in, that just never works out very well. I need yeah. I need the patient to be on board first, otherwise it creates some weird boundary issues. Oh, it totally does. It's like this is where it's like, you know, I'm going to take off my business hat here, right? I'm going to speak strictly as a healer. And this is like, people are like, what do you mean? It's like, they, they are very different mindsets. I don't think they have conflicting values, but they could, right? If I'm strictly talking from a healer perspective, your job, your sole job is to get them out of the clinic as fast as possible. Now, does that get you a living? Does that get you anything else? Mm, debatable. But as a healer, that's your first value. How fast can I get someone out of um, the circuit, right? 
And this is where, you know, do you have a program to do that to support them? Because just because you did some miracle healing doesn't mean that their life is going to get better. They may just, you you bought them some time and they're going to revert back to old habits. So this is why you need that support program for people and say, like, we're going to talk about your diet. We're going to talk about lifestyle changes. I will do what I can to support you. However, when I'm working with my clients, I mean, I'll tell you, it's much more of a coaching model where it's like, where do you want to go? Because I'll be straight and I'll be public about this. Like I tell all the students, it's like I worked for uh, previous studios and people are like, dude, you're like losing clients for us. I'm like, what do you mean I'm losing clients? You said, Zach, be a good healer. I'm going to be a good healer. And my job as a healer is to get that person healed as fast as possible. But that obviously conflicts with what they have to do as a business person or manager or owner. So it's kind of like, that's why I went about um, with, you know, uh, co-owning the business with Andrea on things where like, we can match our values where they're not conflictual. But that is a conflict for most people where they're like, what, you could fix this pain in one session? What the hell? That person's not coming back now. I'm like, well, that's what you're paying me for. That's what the salary is for. They're like, yeah, but we're losing people because of you. Now in our business currently, we don't have that problem. Because it's really this idea of holistic healthcare and long-term healthcare. So I'm never having to worry about these problems um, in our business because I know my clientele and they're awesome, right? So it's this bigger picture game I play with them for their healing. And because it's all about life, right? It's not just physical pain. Physical pain is emotional pain. Emotional pain is life pain. So you can break down the spectrums and we can look at multiple chi layers on that. Uh, so this is like, what are you setting up for yourself as a practitioner? And that's a bigger question of what you're going to do. Um, because I think these are the hard conversations. Like, can you set up a structure like I have with uh, Andrea to succeed in healing and still like support people on a greater level? Hey, we're going to take a quick break. And I wanted to ask you if you've heard of the Chinese herb Shui Jie or Dragon's Blood. They don't always teach this one in school, but it's a tree sap in the same category as Ruxiang and Mo Yao, frankincense and myrrh. It invigorates blood, stops pain, stops bleeding, and regenerates flesh. So it's very commonly used as an external application in liniments like Dittajiao. So if you want to try this out, there's a great product called Dragon Blood Balm. It's like Dittajiao, but it's in balm form, so it's easier to apply. This formula was created by rock climber acupuncturists to help heal their hands after rough rock climbing sessions, but it's great for any kind of skin, muscle, or tendon recovery. Lately, I've been using it after weightlifting sessions when the knurling on the bar tears up my hands. So if you want to try it out, there's a link in the description, and you can use code ND15 to get 15% off your order. Now, back to the podcast. So what about things like compassion fatigue? Because I'm thinking about, I have a friend who's a veterinarian yeah. and she works in emergency and she would sometimes kind of say that I love animals, but if you cry every time a kitten dies, you're not going to make it in this profession very long. Right. And so I'm wondering, is it to some extent, like, do you have to be an asshole? Do you have to put up a wall? Does there have to be some sort of boundary to protect yourself that makes you just not feel those things? Or is there some balanced way around that where you're still compassionate, you still have empathy, but it doesn't it doesn't cause you to burn out or get compassion fatigue right away? Well, absolutely. And I think you can do both. 
I think you can have your compassion. I think you can have your empathy. And I still think you have your boundaries at the same time, right? I mean, usually what I see from just more of a psychological level, people are like, oh, I'm totally overworking for this client and things like that. It's like, well, why didn't you just stop? <laughs> it, it's really that simple. It's like, no, not stop working with the client. It's just, why are you playing out so much? <laughs> they paid for one hour. You're done. Like, right. It's like, you're not getting that time back. Yeah. So this is where that's a boundary piece where you're like, if you're spending three or four hours on a client, I mean, good on you. You're being a good healer, but that's not practical for you. Uh, cause I'm sure if you have a partner, uh, you know, that's one thing. I mean, you know, if people are single, you know, I'm sure your video games miss you or whatever else that you like doing in life. Right. So it's like, you know, that is a balance piece there specifically. And this is where I think you can, I'm one of the people that say like, I think you can get the best of both worlds. You can have your cake and eat it too. Um, Again, it's you can have boundaries. That does not say you cannot be compassionate, but there's a time and place for it. So when you're in the clinic for that hour, you're on and you're fully compassionate. You're like, okay, great. Like I'm going to do the best I can for this client. I'm going to think of the best strategy. Hell, I may even think of five strategies for them, like myself, right? And it's like I usually play like this mad mad scientist mindset where I'm like, what's five potential strategies that will work and won't work here? And I almost do this weird negation in my headset where I'm like, if Zach did this, what does other Zach do, right? And I think every good practitioner really does this where they play these games mentally, which if you actually ask people, you'd be like, don't they sound insane? It's like, well, yeah, we're kind of healers. It's not like the most sane type of profession in the first place. Uh, however, from the boundaries here, this is where I think compassion is a, it is definitely something that could be developed. You can say, okay, what is compassion? First off, is your compassion actually compassion? Most people's compassion is not compassion. It's usually going back to the ego. I do something good. So I feel good because I'm helping somebody. Why are you using external locus of control here where someone else's value of your treatment is your esteem? That's a huge problem. Work on an internal locus of control. I give a good treatment because I want to give a good treatment. I think that's compassion there. Uh, and then at the point of being self-compassionate, you're also probably self-loving and or self-compassionate to yourself, meaning you know some boundaries with you when you're overextending, right? So when you say thing or clients are like, well, can you do more? I'm going to be like, uh, no, I'm not going to be doing more for you. Uh, this is where we're at today. I mean, I did the best I can in an hour and that's all you get and because I have to prep up for the next client. And this is where if you have more in you, do give it if you want to. But that is a choice. And these choices you make are based on how many resources you have. I might be extremely generous on some days and be like, yeah, YOLO, you get one and you get one and you whatever it is, right? Other days, I'm just kind of like very reserved where I'm like, okay, I didn't get any sleep. I barely got any coffee in me. I barely got a meal in me. And I got, I'm teaching like how many classes today? And then I have to still be in the clinic. Yeah, you know, I'm going to do my best there. However, my resources are way down now. So you can't expect like 100%. And that is like, that is actually not a, the client's not going to care. You're going to do, they're going to just get the treatment you give. You got to be actually self-forgiving and self-loving and be like, look, I know I'm not going to be a hundred percent today and that's okay. I will get back on that horse. I'll get back on that tricycle and move forward and see how I can be a better person um, for the next day. And that's like taking it a day at a time and saying like, it's okay. I fucked up. I'm not my optimal. We're all there. I mean, especially in this climate, it's like, what, two years of chaos? It, it's, it's had a mental effect on anybody. 
So this is where we just have to be more like looking at your boundaries and be like, yeah, can I actually do this today? And not thinking, what do I do for other people? But what can I do for myself? And that's not being an asshole. Like asshole is basically like you being like, go screw yourself, client. No, it's like that's just bad business there too. Um, it's really just saying like, no, like this is what we have to do. This is where my resources are. And you have a conversation. Uh, you may not have that conversation with your client because they may not know your world and they don't need to know your world. But you need to have that conversation with yourself, whether it's in the mirror or in a journal um, and you just have a private conversation and be like, yeah, today has been really tough. I've been teaching long hours. Um, that's all right. I want to do this. Yet um, when I do that treatment for someone tomorrow, can I do um, a proper treatment? Like, do I even have enough resources to do a proper Twain treatment? Well, if you haven't been sleeping, you can't expect that from yourself. Right. And uh, I think that is probably the hardest piece from healers of this self-forgiveness because we're overly judgmental as a whole lot as a profession. We are perfectionists as wholes where you're like, you want the best and yet you're expecting this validation from the outside and there is no validation other than the one you set up. So take it from yourself as a core. This is why we do Qigong. This is why we meditate and say, I, I am enough and I will do the best I can one step at a time. And it may not be perfect. I mean, hell, no Chinese medicine is anything perfect because, I mean, when you look at things, everything's imperfect in Chinese medicine, right? Even the whole yin-yang term is like, it's perfectly balanced. Like, it's like, no, that's dead. That's not dynamic. That's not living. So this is where we look at that and say, like, yeah, compassion for yourself first and then compassion for your client if you have enough resources. And if you kind of frame it in that way, I don't think anyone's going to say you're a douche. Right. Uh, because they're just going level with you and be like, yeah, we get it too. And we're coming to you for help. Do the best you can. Right. And I think that's reasonable. Does it ever get to the point where you have to fire a patient where it's like this patient is just requiring so many resources and it's totally the patient's fault? I'm just going to fire this patient to protect myself? I've never actually had that in my experience, honestly. I mean, I've been doing it for a while. Never have I ever, like, now it sounds like the whole rhymes. Never have I ever did this. <laughs> like, uh, it's like, uh, really, it's this, I don't, if I recall, if I really actually recall, I'm like, I can't think of firing a client. I've had tough conversations with clients and say, look, um, it's not an ultimate conversation either. It's not like do it my way or it's a highway. I've heard horror stories where people are like, yeah, um, some Chinese medicine person like said I had to not take showers during winter time because of my menstrual. I'm like, what in the actual hell are you talking about? <laughs> right. But it's like this idea of like having an honest conversation saying the space for that and saying like, look, I, I think really this is what you need. And I've had those conversations where I'd say, look, I, I got some pretty good resources for based on my training yet. Um, and I'm going to do whatever I can in this session to help you out. However, if you're not enrolled or you're not in this session and you're looking at this as a fix me, you're probably not the client for me. And then they're like, well, okay, like what can we do? It's like, it's that weird conversation that you have to have with every client. And then I'd say, well, this is what I would suggest. And I usually find that you just, I, I've been really fortunate with that where my clients have literally just been like, yeah, okay, great. That sounds much better than what we've been doing. Uh, uh, and that was when I first began. Now it's a whole different system where it's like by the time someone comes to me, they've already self-selected themselves the way I do things. But when I was first starting, it was very much like I would have a sit down and be like, okay, how can I help you? What can we do? And 
I almost take the expectation these days, if you're on my table, you're even if you don't do anything to help yourself, I will do what I can to, I don't want to say the word fix you, that's a wrong term, but I will do everything in my knowledge and power to get you the optimal results you are looking for, whether or not you work against me or not. That's kind of my take. So um, I've had dramatic effects with people where people are like, I've had back pain. And then I'm like, well, I feel you probably have this problem. Do you want to deal with this issue? Like I've had these, like that exact conversation. So I'm like, this is what I'm getting. Do you want to get rid of this back pain or not? Because if I do it the way I'm thinking about, it's going to cause some life changes because, you know, back pain is a metaphor for life in certain ways. So I could take care of this for you. Care for what you wish for. <laughs> like, and it's like, you know, do you want to take the fast, hard approach or do you want to take a slow approach that won't get, um, it will still be effective, but it's more long term. Like it might take seven months from now and that's okay. So this is where I, I have those conversations. Some people are like, nah, we're not at the place to have everything crashing down on us. I'm like, all right, then you're just going to get the slow treatment. We will get better progressions slowly, but don't expect anything fast. I think when we're having these conversations, expectations are probably the hardest thing um, on leveling. And if you have proper expectations, you don't need to fire clients uh, because everyone's in the same communication, same wavelength. So you just got to have your expectations up front and clear. So are there some simple, easy to implement things that people can do to protect themselves or ground themselves? I know some people talk about, oh, I just I take a shower every day I come home and that cleanses things off or, oh, I sit on the toilet and shit out all these negative emotions or I write in a journal and that helps separate my personal life from my work life. Are there some besides just become doing Qigong every day for three years? Is there something that people can do easy things to do to help? Absolutely. And this is something I've taken out of yoga. I mean, Chinese, Qigong has this too, but I just find this to be the easiest access piece for most people. There's something called a corpse pose in yoga where you just lie down and you starfish, right? But the thing is, people are like, what, you just lie down and starfish? I'm like, no, you let go of all the crap. You let it go and you pretend you are dying. You are a dead body. People are like, that, that, that's pretty visceral, dude. I'm like, well, what's there to attach you when you're dead, <laughs> right? So if you let it all drain out of you while you're lying on the ground, that that is not a perfect reset. That's not going to help you shield, but that will get the stuff out of your system. And if you get that out of your system, then you can like say, okay, I'm completely clean and neutral state. That's well, at least where we want to get you is neutral. Um, it's not building up. It's not like perfect. Uh, again, that's why we have a training course on this. So I would say for people that don't know anything and they need to start doing emergency work right now, like you can literally just like we could go through this right now. You lie down on the ground and you just imagine all the negativity in your head, in your bones, in your tissues start to slowly go down into the earth and it keeps getting ripped out of you slowly. Now ripped is a hard metaphor, but at least dissolving into the earth more and more until you don't feel icky and you know what an icky feeling feels like. So until you feel that ickiness go away, you keep going there. That's probably going to take uh, your listeners five minutes to do. Honestly, it's going to take five to 10 minutes a day for that. When you get good at this, it takes less because you're training the neurology. It takes about 30 days for neurological changes and that will go through the body that way. So that's an easy, easy reset where you're just imagining the draining of the negativity into the earth because the earth doesn't care. 
um, what happens to it. It's just going to absorb it. That's the natural premise. And then when you come back up and you stand up, you can imagine uh, from there just uh, connecting your feet to the earth and actually taking some breaths and feeling like as you're breathing into your feet, the sensations of the feet of reconnecting and being alive. And that is an easy thing that I will start most people on right off of the bat, um, just given, and that works for anything, um, just as a general, like all purpose, uh, let go. And it's great for relaxation, um, releasing the physical tension. And then it, it actually is a nice skeletal realignment too. A lot of people usually forget that, <laughs> but like most people's like, they get the scoliosis. So this kind of helps them out on that. I find to rebalance the hips. And then when you stand up straight and you just take awareness of your feet, then it's like, okay, I'm breathing. I feel the connection. Great. You do a stretch and then you walk around, right? Like that can be done in a day. Five, that's five minutes of maintenance there, right? When you wash your hands, it's like, okay, that, that could also be a routine too. So there's just so many different things you can talk about around this. Um, and it's really like, that's an easy go to the corpse pose with a stand up. But you can make these mini clinical rituals. Like, you know, we use hand sanitizer. Why couldn't that be a ritual? Well, there has to be more metaphors. But, like, this is what we're going to be discussing in the course. It's like, well, what are your go-tos? Because you're in a clinic and a client's coming in in 30 minutes with air out time. So you got to, what, clean up the floor, spray everything down. These are all rituals. These are healing rituals that you can be doing. And it's not as hard as people think, but the awareness does need to be there because E leads the chi. So. so what about things like talismans, crystals, mala beads? Do they have any place in all of this? Absolutely. Uh, and this is where I'd say it depends how far you want to go down the rabbit hole, right? So when people are like, oh, the stone itself does something. No, the stone itself does jack shit. It's a stone from the earth. Does it have its own energetic resonance? Sure, it does. What does that mean to you? Nothing. It means absolutely nothing, right? So it's like when you're talking about talismans, that means they've been through ritual work. Like if you're like, I'm just going to buy a talisman off of like, I don't know, like some dollar store, it's not going to do you anything, <laughs> right? Like when you, what you're discussing is consecrated items that have been blessed by someone's energy and or a spirit if you buy into that paradigm. Now everyone's going to buy into the spirit paradigm. Um, I could say it definitely is there. However, you need to have your experiences, right? So this is where we could look at things like, yeah, they have a place. They most definitely have a place. That's more classic old school Chinese medicine, like even like mugwort. I know the Aya, how you actually said you were a doctor is you let some Aya on your door to keep out the bad pathogens, right? Because it is a fumatory type of herb. It's yang based. So the more yang there is, but you know, that's been through consecrations. It's not like mugwort itself. If I hang mugwort on from my door, is that going to do anything? Probably not other than dry and have a weird smell, right? So it's like, you have to spend time with these items. You have to concentrate them. It's either a priest or a shaman or someone that does more or less magic do it for you properly, or you got to learn the skill sets yourself. And what are we doing from an energy paradigm? If I'm just strictly talking about chi, well, you know, you hear in feng shui where they're like, okay, we'll use a bowl of water and that'll circulate the chi because resonance, like it's a resonance of water that will circulate the chi in the building. Maybe it will, but what you're most likely getting is a placebo effect, which is not bad. You believe something happens, and then you make it happen energetically because you are the common denominator. Now, if someone looked at a bowl of water, would it mean anything to them? Probably not, right? I'd be like, okay, you got a glass of water there. 
cool. It's like it doesn't mean anything other than until you make it mean something. Now with items such as talismans, it's there is a placebo effect where the practitioner, or at least the person that has it, is going to think, okay, this is a talisman. But how do you know a talisman is a talisman? And I think this is important to understand. Um, it should have its own effects outside of the person being there directly. So I will use the example that I used in the school. So I had some Aya. I'm not sure if I retold the story. I may have, uh, may not have. But it was basically, I took um, your, your basic moxa box, like, you know, the little cones, like basic cones. And it was like, literally, it's like, we want to do celestial. Someone was bugging me in the clinic. It's like, can we do celestial moxibustion? Someone's doing a workshop on celestial moxibustion. And it was just like a day where I'm like, dude, don't talk to me about celestial moxibustion. This is amateur hour, right? And he's yeah. like, what? He's like, he's yeah. like, I'm like, what they're most likely doing is a metaphor of energetics. They're probably using the ginger juice and or some decoction of ginger. And then they're placing it in a young place. Now, this is like the dog days. So you, the sen, uh, the, I'm going to mispronounce it totally, but it's like the the three heavens uh, type of moxibustion where you do it on the hottest days of the year. And then you're trying to imbue that into the system. So um, it's like San Fu Tian, I think it is. But if I butcher that, I totally apologize. But the, the concept is correct, where you take the hottest days of the year, you do the moxa on basically like Ding Tran and a few other points on the back to augment the yang so you're set for the winter. So what you're doing is actually personifying, saying, I am putting this moxa bushing in heat at the hottest energetic day of the year to put in you so we can store this as a battery for later. So he's like, well, they're doing a workshop on this. I want to be there. I'm like, dude, don't bug me about this. You're in my clinic. Let's just do this properly. He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, you got the juice. I don't care about the juice. We don't need the juice for this. Put your ginger juice away. (laughs) And he was like, what? And I was like, put it away. We're going to do this properly. Don't bug me for 10 minutes. He's like, what? I'm like, give me your three, like, give me your moxa box. He's like, this is a moxa box. And I made a whole show of it that day. I was like, I was in front of all this. And I was like, this is a moxa box. And everyone's like, yes, we clearly see that's a moxa box. I'm like, and this came from this student's bag. They bought it from this store. Is this correct? And they're like, yes, it is. <laughs> and I'm literally doing this whole thing where I'm actually like trying to cut down on the, um, what I would call like the, uh, the improbabilities. Like I want everyone to know where it was bought, why it was bought, what the brand of the thing was. So there's no like, oh, Zach just snuck this in from his house. I don't bring stuff to clinic. Uh, student clinic right yeah i mean i got a lab jacket and my like hazmat like mass of darth vader so this was like okay i got nothing and uh so everyone basically concurred they're like yes we understand zach that this is from this this is this and you're like and i'm like okay and i have three moxibustion sticks or cones here they're like yes and i'm like do i have anything else in my hands like it seemed like it was a magic trick setup i was doing so eventually i said okay Nothing's in this room. You clearly see there is a table, there is a chair, and then there is me. <laughs> right? They're like, yes. I'm like, someone stand outside the door. You guys can watch each other. This is an empty room. Now let me be a shaman. <laughs> right? So at some point I did the blind study because I basically blessed the one moxibustion um, cone with heavenly energy. Right? Straight up heaven energy, which is like yang chi. Right? But if you don't have experience with what that means, it means nothing to you. 
Um, then the next one, I literally call the mugwort spirit itself. And I said, okay, like, hey, friend, how you doing? But you can see I'm working in a spirit paradigm at that point as a shaman, not just purely energetics. So basically, I set up and I, I, I talked to the mugwort IES spirit and said, okay, look, this, this is a thing. I'm trying to do this. Can you help me out here? They're like, yeah, okay. So basically, I got the IES to bust two cones and one was a dud straight up a dud mm -hmm. uh, just for yeah. blind blind testing and then i blessed one with heaven energy on top of the mugwort spirit then i said to every student i literally placed it on a table set up the table and said okay here's the moxas what's the like what is the difference and every single person blind testing they're like yeah this one feels these are the two that feel weird <laughs> literally that was the description they're like this feels weird and different and i'm like okay which one is the dud and everyone told me which one was a dud and they came in at the room at different points but you always had like one um what i call like uh not blind tester but you always had someone there watching that could like verify things so i'm not like playing games here and um, basically everyone verified they're like yeah the, everyone chose the same ones i'm like good now what's the difference one felt very earthy they kept saying this one feels earthy we don't know why it feels earthy and i'm like what does this one do they're like oh this this has a head effect it, it's like it clears my head i'm like okay you know what moxa does does it do these things they're like not to this degree i'm like this is what happens when you wildcraft moxa properly peeps this is your celestial moxa literally blessed moxa with heaven energies so at this point it's supposed to clear your head that's what the celestial moxa does if you do it properly when you wildcraft it and like do the raw processing it clears your head meridians and then you get more energy from the yang and then the mugwort itself is more earthy so it grounds you at the same time but if you're taking dead mugwort what do you want from a dead body nothing you can't get anything from it so this piece specifically, it was like the, the talismans there, those were makeshift talismans. It took me about 10 minutes, but those energies were outside of myself and people could verify it. So yes, talismans can definitely have an effect on people and they definitely have a practice within Chinese medicine. We do actually like historically have a department for miscellaneous things or mountain skills. That was a department and like that was the magic department that was your harry potter department in china where you literally said here is talisman sigils or here is a talisman with a symbol on it we're drawing it with our energy we're going to burn it in the water and you drink it to actually get the chi of whatever the blessing was so that's what priests generally will do and you can learn that skill set it is part of chinese mess and even to the point of the naming of the herbal formulas and the naming of acupoints but whether or not you can connect to that level, that's a whole different thing. That's a lot more skill sets. So something like uh, Bai Hui, right? Governing Vessel 20. Everyone's like, well, that's nice. It's the clearest young. I'm like, you know, this is referencing the ancestors, right? That's a literal needle you can put to help people connect to their ancestry in more old school shamanic Taoist terms. Because it's a hundred meeting points for what? All the spirits, all your ancestors. And you're getting that clear yang in heaven to have that realization. And that stimulates the sea of marrow. But this gets down to now etymology of points, etymology of the herbs, breaking down things like when we say um, ganjiang, like that's an easy one, dry ginger. People are like, what does gan mean? It means heaven when you break down the Chinese radical for it. So that actually has a heaven trigram association, which most people are like, well, it's drying. No, it's heavenly. There's a difference here on how much drying that means. 
right? But these are the hints that you get through the language that you are not going to get in English unless you do the research or someone guides you through it. So with the talisman pieces, yeah, it's supposed to have its own energy outside of a person. Now, if you're not connecting to these objects, assuming that you just bought it off from a store and they're not blessed by a priest or a shaman or someone that knows what they're doing, then it's not going to have those effects. And then you have to do the feng shui thing where like I symbolically connect to this and means uh, this herb does this. This stone does this. And there are ways of uh, connecting with that. And we do have like actual online Qigong classes for that run weekly where we talk about the external alchemy of Chinese medicine where you're connecting with these things like stones, plants, and actually feeling the energetic effects and then able to work with them in a way from a feng shui perspective or more of this talismanic perspective. Yeah, because like when I was talking to Patrick, he talked about how when he was in China, he caught somebody's evil chi. Yeah. And so he talked to a Buddhist priest who gave him some mala beads that they were carved in skulls out of sandalwood. And he, he would wear these to protect himself from the evil chi of others. And so there was a period when I did the same thing. I got some mala beads that were shaped like skulls. I wore them on my wrist. Right. But for me, it was more like I didn't necessarily believe that these uh, skull-shaped things were putting up a shield that protected me. For me, it was more like when I felt the weight of these on my wrist or when I heard them clang together, to me that was a reminder to stay grounded, to stay centered, to uh, not let bad stuff in. And it was just I didn't feel like it had any inherent power. To me, it was just more a reminder. So was that was I just placeboing myself? Was that I was using my intention to guide my chi? You were placeboing yourself and using good psychology. Like this is good psychology, right? And this is like people are like, what, what do you mean poo-pooing? I'm like, we can talk about magic. Magic is about skewing probabilities. And when you're saying, well, I had these on my wrist, I had the clang, that's an anchor state in psychology. You reminded yourself what these meant and the more you did that that is an energetic connection with your chi to say remember this and then you triggered in your state of mind your state has triggered your energetics have changed so in effect does that mala mean anything ultimately from a buddhist context any buddhist would say nah everything is an illusion anyway so it doesn't matter don't have attachments right learn the skill so that's the skill it's like literally it's like that's the anchor state and then you moved into it, and then that changed your resonance. That boosted your Wei Qi, that changed your emotions, whatever it was. Now, from a talismanic standard, I will say, though, it is outside of you. So you should be able to feel the effects directly. So this is where I would go with a blind test again. And I said, if it's been blessed properly, and I really actually mean this because a lot of people will use... Um, the terms like I'm a priest, I'm this, I'm like, I don't care what your titles are. Do you get the results? Like if, uh, it was a drought and you were a shaman, you needed to call down rain. You didn't cut down rain. You died. It was that simple. <laughs> like you didn't provide, that was your job. So this is where, at least the way I'm trained as, uh, you know, one of the teachers in the results over image, institute we are all about this where we're like if we do something people know the difference whether or not they're like oh i don't feel it you will feel it you will look at and get results so you like if we gave you a blessed item your life will change and i don't mean that in the like oh woo woo sense we're going to be like okay you got this mala for protection so let's analyze what that means first do you feel different when you put it on versus when you don't put it on that's the first test I'm going to be asking people right off the bat for any blessed item I do. 
then they're like, well, I don't feel a difference. Then I'd be like, okay, you were in your mind too much. Actually relax and meditate for 10 minutes or something. Then bring it by you. Does it change the feeling you have subjectively? That's the first thing I would do there. They're like, yes, cool. If they're like, no, then I'm going to be like, send it back. We're having a conversation. I know this is pretty good. And now I got to do some actual testing in the lab, right? Because I, I want double verifications, right? So it's like, I will do double verifications for items I do um, for blessings um, before they even get to the client. So this is where if people are asking for certain things, like they want protection, protection means if, what does protection mean? That's such a general term. Like you got to be specific. Be like, well, I don't want to get sick. Okay, that's a very specific type of protection. That's not protection from you not getting hit by a car. <laughs> that's protection against illnesses. Then I got asked a dumbass question where people are like, what? I'm like, are you even doing the basics? People are like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, if you're going to COVID land in a clinic and you're not wearing a respirator at this point or N95, what do you think you're going to get? doesn't matter what magic I throw at you. <laughs> Right. Because the probabilities of that are really tough. Um, this is like, you know, a lot of people are like, what? We thought this fixes everything. I'm like, no, it doesn't. It's user probabilities. You still got to do the common sense stuff and then we can change the vectors of things. So this is where it's like, OK, for healing, like this is where I do it all the time for Reiki distantly these days. A lot of people come to me for Reiki healing. I'm like, OK, the first thing I say to clients is like, OK, what's your problem? They're like, this is our problem. I'm like, OK, great. Do you feel a connection? What do, and they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, I need to establish an energetic connection to you so you know that something's happening. Do you subjectively feel different past me saying anything? And they're like, yeah, we actually feel like someone's on like touching our shoulder. I'm like, good. Now we can progress with this healing. But that's something outside of them. And I have blind tested this when we like we have a Reiki school that runs for two years. And it's a sizable investment. However, that's the type of skills that you use in hospitals where you're verifying energetic means and saying like, okay, uh, this person felt this. Does someone else in the room feel this? Uh, yeah, they do. Okay, good. Then I'm energetically there, aren't I? And this is like, we do this all the time. And like, this is where I'm not a fan of woo-woo energetics where it's like, it just feels good. I'm like, no, we can break this down in measured ways. So in the context for you, we have an anchor state. You said even subjectively, it's like, I don't know if it did anything. That, that, then, then, then probably wasn't blessed properly, honestly. Because at that point, if you don't feel different about it, then the energetics aren't there other than it's a good anchor. And the anchor changed things for you, but the actual talisman did not, which the talisman should have its own effects outside of you. So people should feel like when they're coming to you and you're wearing that, if it was actually properly blessed, that they're like, whoa, dude, like, it feels like you got some, like, you know, do you, were you working out more? Right? Because you'll get those effects if you actually have protection around you. It's like armor, right? They'll be like, did you get more beefed up? Like, these are sociological energetics now we're talking about. And that's actually what I would expect from a talisman if you're wearing it. Now, if you're doing other types of work, then that's different for different results. So it just depends what you're going for. So with your boot camp um, about protecting yourself, it sounds to me like maybe there are two parts to this. One part is sort of the preventative, proactive, I'm going to ground, shield, center myself. Uh, maybe another part is when the shit does come in, how do I get rid of it? Does, does that sound about right? 
that that sounds correct with the the co-taught boot camp there with andrea yeah that is definitely where it's at where we're going to be saying what's preventative let's decouple what's the pre-stuff and then when you're in clinic how is this applicable um because i mean let's be honest energetically clinics are shit show sometimes and like people i've had horror stories where people are like did you just do an exorcism i'm like dude this was doing clinic days <laughs> and it was like messed up it was like i remember like i was training uh and it was like my one Chinese medicine teacher, he has some background on sensitivities. Like he's not quite a priest, but he knew my background with learning with Andrea. And I'm like, dude, this one client screwed up. And he'm like, he's like, yeah, did you see their eyes? I'm like, yeah, I'm going to probably do some ghost points, whatever it needs. He's like, do you need some backup? I'm like, dude, I think I'm good. I'm good. I know the skills from my, my <laughs> guru Andrea. I got this. He's like, okay, cool. And of course, it's like me and like it just that's doing think was hilarious because it was like we literally had to do an exorcism. And I'm like, God damn, why am I as, you know, a priest and a shaman doing free work for friggin like exorcism when they're in the student clinic and I'm paying to actually do the healing? Like this is so screwed up, but it needed to happen from a healing standard. So I'm like, no one else has these skills. And of course, it's like the grouping is me and some indigenous dude, right? So we're going in there, we're like, hook. And the teacher's like, I got your back, bro. I'm like, I don't need you. I'm like, it's fine. I'm just going to close the door. I got enough skills for my guru here. So then we're having a conversation and it was straight up large intestine pathology with uh, diverticulitis. Uh, I'm going to totally butcher the term, but it's like a diverticulitis, I think is the term specifically. Right. And it was like, person's like, oh, this is this. I'm like, okay, first off, hi, my name's Zach. And uh, what's your problem? What's your tongue? What's your pulse? Let's go through the 10 questions, <laughs> like the basic stuff. And then I'm like, God damn, this dude has so much heat. And I'm like, and I could literally feel things around him. And like, literally the other dudes look at me like, dude, this is screwed up. I'm like, just hold the line, hold it. And I'm like, and I'm like doing the needles. And I'm like, this is a normal, this is a normal acupuncture session. <laughs> it's totally not. At that point, I had to pull up some skills. And um, literally like, you know, with that particular ail ailment, you don't get like, you know, you can reduce it, but you can't stop it. Like that's just the pieces of it. Right. Um, Cause it's like autoimmune. So like you can boost up the autoimmune, but like the person the next week, they're like, Oh yeah, I feel great. Everything's good. Bowel movements are even no cramping, nothing. I'm like, dude, that was so intense. You don't even know like how much, like I literally had to be like, okay, ghost point manipulate. Where's the bugger now? And like, we had to do all the spiritual stuff, which is above, pay grade on that um, but when we look at acupuncture that is actually the origins of acupuncture is exorcistic medicine um, and the needles were swords so it's like you know we can do a proper chinese medicine uh, session on that still that still goes through legalities however you might have to do some back-end work on that where like i was pretty blunt with the person i'm like yeah bro do, do i have your consent for like you know making your energy it's like you have these thoughts is this you and he's like no i'm like dude can we work on this with you and he's like yeah you totally can and he's like it's this weird voice i'm like yeah it's okay like if you're willing to work with us here like you know uh i can work um to a degree on your ailment here and he's like okay cool so we got consent right and i was just printed through a spiritual lens there and it worked out well i mean it really worked out well there so 
Um, this was before regulation too. So this is like, you know, while West and Re before regulation days, now, now it's a whole different boot camp. <laughs> At that point, I'd be like, no, see me as a priest. Book a separate session, right? So, so if people want to sign up for this course, where do they go? So we have the link here. So with this, uh, it is going to be at the one store that um, it's called queencitycurio.ca. So that's, so that's uh, Q-U-E-E-N-C-U-R-I-O.ca. And then from there, you're going to be searching up specifically the workshop Psychic Self-Defense uh, for Body Workers. Right. So again, I'll send you that link so it's easier for them because it's a it's a mouthful to type and say. <laughs> but that's our website, it's queencitycurio.ca. So Okay. I'll put links in the description. And are you running any other kind of courses? Do you do any kind any other kind of work outside of teaching and clinic? There there's a lot of things. So we it's like one, I do private coaching. So if people are like, hey, like, you know, can we get coaching for Chinese mess and more on this esoteric side? Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you right off the bat for listeners, it's like I am gonna be 150 plus taxes uh with that for Canada, right? Uh, so that's one-on-one. -on -one. We can work toward packages too. Like I have people that have said, hey, this is kind of the plan we're working with. I'll be like, okay, cool. Like we can work with that. Um, we have an astral boot camp coming up. Um, that's going to be sometime in March where people want to learn astral projection. Again, that's going to be a co-taught workshop between uh, Andrea, Vitimus, and myself um, for astral boot camp. We also have... Uh, we also have a lot of workshops that we do for deeper down the rabbit hole for the sponsors. So that's where we have a workshop every two weeks. And that depends really what our audience wants. So we have everything from rituals. We have Buddhist rituals, Taoist rituals. Um, we've done archangel work. Um, we cover herbal magic actually too. And we cover like a Qigong and many other facets. So it's basically you right now with that membership currently that's uh you get two years worth of access to all the materials we've had right so that's the one thing and then uh the other thing i think is we have the rituals every two weeks right so that's public donation based so i know like everyone's on a budget especially as students but really um if you go to the queen city sign up on our eventbrite listing uh, we will be having some rituals coming up and that is going for be different blessings so even if you do like one cent that gets you in for a blessing between like you know essentially uh my teacher andrea when he runs rituals and then uh when i am running rituals we're both usually there doing the work though as priests so it's like that's where we support each other in the rituals and we want to help the public with that so at that point, you get a pretty good deal for one cent or whatever you can pay for a donation, right? Because uh, you will definitely feel the spirits on that one when we do that work. And then Andrea is running something called the Shape Shifting Course 365. Again, I'll give you the link on that. Currently, as it is, we are having the cohort model on that one. Uh, and then same thing with Astral Bootcamp and same thing with Psychic Self-Defense. These are all cohort models we're doing. So with the Shapeshifting 365 course, that is going to be, um, we're raising the price quite a bit. Currently, right now, it's $2.99 American. So um, with that, that's, a f that's over a year's course of material. And that's going to be like weekly lessons. Right. So that that's where you get to work live with me, Andrea. And be like, okay, great. You went through the content. And then like that is a completely gold course. I could say that. Like I've been in that course for 
it's been probably 10, 12 years. I still refer back to those, um, the notes and lectures Andrea wrote in that because it's completely changed my life on the material there. And it's practical. Like, again, everything we do is practical results driven. So that's kind of what we got going. Um, I know as a side thing, it's not an official workshop, but I have been talking to people about this. Um, people have been bugging me about five element acupuncture, particularly four needle technique. So this is where I'd say, if you want to learn more about that, like that is bug me. Seriously, like I, I'm extremely busy, but if people bug me enough, I will get more lectures on this. Uh, and I'm probably going to be doing more YouTube question and answer stuff happening. I need to get back on YouTube. It's been a bit. Uh, so I know I've been telling people, I'm like, you want materials, you need to send me questions. If you send me questions, I will probably answer them on YouTube at this point. And um, that's going to be with four needle techniques specifically, which I absolutely love because why stab more people with more needles when you can do less, right? And no, Jingwell points don't hurt if done properly. So that's where I'd say, just encourage me, give me a kick in the butt and say, Zach, we want this material for four needle technique uh, and five elements. And I'll get you guys the public material eventually to be a workshop. But right now, I'll just be answering questions on that. And where can people find you in terms of, I think you have a podcast, you have an Instagram, you have a YouTube, where can people find you? Yeah, I, I got everything going on. So it's like, again, we'll have the links there. Um, my Instagram is Master Zachary Louie because I couldn't, someone took my name. So I had to add the master in front of it, which I'm like, this sucks. <laughs> right? I want you to just be Zachary Louie and someone took it. I'm like, damn it. Now I got to be a master Zachary Louie. This is. Yeah. Whenever somebody calls themselves Shurfu, I, I make fun of them. Oh, yeah. As you totally should. I make fun of myself even. We were like, Shurfu. I'm like, <laughs> just call me Zach, man. So it's like, so, you know, Insta master Zachary Louie, um, for the videos for stuff. I have a lot of YouTube videos at, uh, Wuji Xuan, Wuji Xuan life wellness is our, uh, company there. So if you go to the YouTube there, we have a lot of Qigong videos. I think we have like 15 Qigong videos on lectures. And again, I am intending to put out more Chinese medicine content again. So that, that there's going to be more listings there. Um, and then personal email, uh, ZAC at ZacharyLouis.ca, right? So you can use that um, just to do direct contacts. Um, we can, uh, you can also, uh, that's probably the best one right now. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much all my contact info. If you're in Toronto and uh, you want treatments, you can also come visit our studio. We're open. So you can book at our system at Wujishwan uh, Life Wellness. And uh, we use the JNAP. So uh, it's very easy on that one if you're in Toronto. If you're local, uh, if you're not local and you're like, hey, I want some healing, again, I do distant healing too. So I mean, that can be set up through Zoom. Awesome, Zach. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Nicholas. If you would like to get in touch with Zach or sign up for any of his classes or seminars, all the links he mentioned are in the show notes or on the website. This episode can be downloaded at podcast.tcmstudy.net slash session 16. As always, thank you to the Patreon members for supporting this podcast. If you would like to contribute, just head on over to podcast.tcmstudy.net and click on the donate button at the top of the page. That's all for today. Thanks, and we'll see you next time.